Listening to the Ron and Don Show. I'm G Force O'Neill, the real brains of this operation. Hey, Dad, can we go get a sandwich? Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 263 now, the Ron and Don Show. We're live from the Les Schwab Studio. What's up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, good to see you. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to hit some of the headlines. Before we hit some of the headlines, though, we want to hit you upside the head, boom, with some knowledge because a lot of people are reaching out right now and they're like, Ron, I heard you just wrote a new book. It's one of the best sellers. It's climbing the charts on Amazon. How to get a hold of this? What's the book about anyway? It is about buying or selling real estate in the Pacific Northwest. How do you sell something in the hottest market in America, uh, one of the top three markets for the last year over year over year? Well, you have to have some strategies. I go into great depth uh, in this book uh, on selling real estate. So I can get you a free copy. Email me. Ron at Windermere.com. There you go. Hey, you guys, it's a Thursday on Thursdays. We like to hit the headlines, so let's hit some headlines right after this. Hey, you guys, right now, a lot of people are looking for work, and good news because Les Schwab is hiring, Ron, right? Yeah, it's new careers at Les Schwab. If you'd like to work around upbeat people, make good money, and make a difference in the community, Les Schwab wants to meet you. They're looking for people to service tires and wheels and get customers safely back on the road. You don't need experience. They'll train you in the Les Schwab way. Learn more about career opportunities and their generous profit-sharing program at LesSchwab.com. That's Les Schwab doing the right thing since 1952. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail. Um, and then they just came in with a, with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better. When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Uh, we did a Ron and Don sit down and we sold our house for well over asking. I just knew that, you know, it was, it was a no brainer for me to at least reach out and try to See if it'd be a good situation and a good uh, a good fit for both of us. Of course, I had to talk about this with my wife first, and you know she was extremely skeptical uh, skeptical about working with Ron and Don because uh, what do a couple of radio and podcast guys know about real estate anyways? They they don't know anything, right? Uh, I mean, we're in Port Orchard, Washington. I mean, there's we had a uh, a really cool home. I mean, I loved the house. My wife loved it. Um, and there, but around us, there was nothing else like our house. Uh, they really came prepared. They, and you know, at the same time, I mean, they generally cared about just learning about us, the family, what our goals were. Um, and just really worked with us to see if actually selling the home was a good option. They really won over my wife during that sit down, uh, with their preparation, their market knowledge, their advice. Uh, we got an offer, I think day one, that was, uh, I want to say 25 to 50,000 over asking. And I was like, yeah, I'm like telling my wife, don't you think we should take this? I mean, this is a great offer. And she's like, no, we're sticking to this. We're going to wait till that offer review, review date, like Ron and Don said, waited till offer review date. And we had like, I don't know, seven or eight more offers and and offer a hundred thousand over asking, which um, which is crazy to me. And yeah, I mean, I was 
I had to eat some of that humble pie and apologize to the wife and tell her I was wrong and all that fun stuff. Ron and John went completely out of their way for us over here when we were selling our house. And I feel like they'll do anything to earn your business. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey everybody, it's the Ron and Don Show, ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 263 now of the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. If you want to get in touch with us for a sit-down, just write Ron, ron at windermere.com. Uh, let's hit some of the headlines right now. Headline number one, uh, Apple execs, Ron. Uh, why did they hold back uh, some information about a hack that had happened to Apple products? And 128 million of us seem, well, we should have known about it. We didn't. What is going on here? What's Apple up to? This is a really interesting story to me because what, what, ha- what had happened was... What it is is... Um, there were some apps that were written on counterfeit Apple code software. So if you're a software developer... Um, Apple puts out this thing called Xcode. And so you download it from Apple and it helps you to write software so that it will work on an Apple product. And what happened is that there was a Chinese counterfeit version of this Xcode software. And so for whatever reason, uh, some developers around the world started downloading that version of it. And so that version would embed this uh, code into it that would then be malware on Apple computers. So Apple then hears word of this. And so they have a decision to make. Okay, do we notify people or not? When in reality, it's not really their fault. If if the developers had used the actual Apple software, this bad code wouldn't have been in the app. Hmm. And so the Apple's sitting there going, okay, well, what do we do? Because it, 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 we didn't write that software. Um, so are we responsible for the bug that's embedded in the software that then goes into the app store and then people choose to download the app? Hmm. And so from their perspective, it's like, well, how responsible are we? So if you go out to the app store, you download some app from a Chinese developer, you grant the permissions that pop up. Hey, this app wants access to your contacts. Okay. This app wants to access your GPS. Okay. This app wants to access your microphone and camera. Okay. So you hit okay on all those voluntarily. Apple didn't force you to do that. You buy by downloading this app and then giving the permission. Now you have opened yourself up. Uh, to this hacker that embedded the software. So Apple chose to not notify people. Hmm. Um, how do you see this argument? Because I can see both sides where you're going, hey, man, download the, the correct Apple software. It's not a problem. How are we supposed to monitor every hacked piece of software on the planet? What did the malware end up end up doing? Were they just after information? It was, it was it, it compromised. It had access. If you gave, depending on the app, in how much access you gave it to your information, uh, it was able to scrape personal information off of your phone up to like the, the, obviously the, the Holy grail would be credit card access, mm-hmm. but not all apps get credit card apps access. And so it was trying to, it was, it was collating information to probably sell on the dark web. I just think people have figured out that's probably happening anyway. And I don't think they care. 
Yeah, like I think Apple should have notified people that there was a security breach. I but get- then when Apple noti- notifies you, you don't know if it's Apple because you wonder if it's a company in China pretending to be Apple. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I whenever, whenever anyone warns me of a phishing scam, I'm like, huh. The people warning me of the phishing scam, are they phishing, using a phishing scam to tell me about the phishing scam? That's how paranoid I've gotten about all this stuff. The hard thing for me on this is you don't know you have a flaw until you know you have a flaw. So it's impossible to know something is flawed until after it's exploited. Let's talk about Oprah. Let's talk about Ellen. Did you read the Oprah story? I did read the Oprah story. What is the big mistake? It's being revealed right now that Oprah feels like she made a big mistake one time. And she now, she, and now she's revealing it to all of us when it comes to interviews, because we know that Oprah was the queen of television when she was on TV. Then there was Oprah, and now we have Ellen, and Ellen is about to retire after 19 years. So we'll get to Ellen here in a moment. But what's going on with Oprah? Oprah had an interview back in the day. She was she was talking with Rob Lowe mm-hmm. on Rob Lowe's podcast, and Rob Lowe brought up. He's like, man, nowadays every time you do a show, uh, they all want you to play funny games. So, you know, you're you're on with Jimmy Fallon and you're just being a goofball. Yeah. And he's like, I, he said, I miss the days when a guy like Burt Reynolds could just come out and tell Burt Reynolds stories. And so that triggered a memory in Oprah where she says her biggest regret as an interviewer was she had Sally Field on live television. And if you remember, Burt Reynolds and Sally Field were in a several movies together, like Cannonball, Cannonball Run 2, all those things. And then they had a romantic relationship for a while. That's right. Uh, uh, and she asked Sally Field, because her producers pressured her to do so, does Burt Reynolds sleep with a toupee on? <laughs> and she said... <laughs> Sally, it was over. <laughs> Sally Field shut shut down. At that, that was point. it, and that was it. Even as on live TV, yeah. And she could feel. She said she felt the temperature in the room just get colder. <laughs> and she's like, I never should have asked that question. That's it, it, it's because when Oprah was on, she had to decide: Am I going to go the way of Jenny Jones, which which Oprah was doing early on, or am I going to do this kind of this enlightenment television stuff? And will the Enlightenment television stuff, will that actually work? And Sally Jesse Raphael, who was great actually on radio. I used to listen to her on radio all the time. She had a national radio show. She was better on the radio than she ever was on TV. And Sally Jesse Raphael, I thought what she did on radio with people she would bring to the television set, and she didn't. She went the way of Jenny Jones. And Jerry Springer. And- yeah, and then we remember what happened with Jenny Jones, and there was a murder that happened, and a lawsuit, and everything else. So everybody, though, kind of went the way of Jerry Springer, because Jerry did so well. Uh, and and Jenny, and, and, and that's kind of how... Well, I watched Oprah. She describes the moment she changed. She was doing oh, really? a, she was doing a show, yeah, and it was a show about adultery, and they were doing this stuff all the time, yeah. Unbeknownst to this woman, uh, this woman that was married to a uh, an adulterer, he brought out his girlfriend onto the stage, and they did not tell the wife. Mm. So Oprah said she was standing there doing taping this show, and she watched this wife who didn't know, they got ambushed. Didn't know that the girlfriend was going to come on stage. And she watched this woman just crumble hmm. uh, in front of her. And she said after that episode, she went back to her producer and said, never again. Hmm. We are never going to do a show like that 
ever again. And she's like, I will wa- I will quit television before I do more shows like that. And that was it. And that, that was that was the moment. Yeah. Talking about Ellen a little bit. Ellen, who decided to come out on her comedy show. It's got to be 20 years ago. Now. That was no longer a con. No, it was before because she's been on. She's been on. She's been Probably doing talk show for, for 19 years. Yeah, she was doing a sitcom. She decided to come out. And as a result of that, it killed her sitcom because Ellen was supposed to be this young lady that was dating all these people and come to find out uh, she was in love with women. That killed the show. That killed her career. Uh, and then she came storming back because Rosie O'Donnell said, guess what? When, when, when you do an Oprah-esque show. A positive show. A positive show. And you're gay. Uh, women out there love it. They absolutely love it. So Ellen came on. She did a similar show. She started dancing. Then she started resenting that she was dancing, that everywhere she goes, people want her to dance. She says, like a clown or like a monkey. So she stopped dancing. So all the women that come that were in the audience got really disappointed that Ellen wouldn't dance anymore. Uh, so that became an issue. And then we also know there have just been some real issues with that show. And she said all the things that were said about that show was heartbreaking, crushing to her. Uh, when it came to her producers and the fact that there was, uh, I don't know, what would you say? What would you call it? Uh, Sexual misconduct? Well, all kinds of misconduct and that it was just mean and that they said that Ellen was mean. And and she... Well, when your show... This is the thrust of this article. is like when your brand is built on kindness, yeah, which is sort of how she pitched her show to America, and it turns out that your work environment is toxic... Uh, how long can that last? And and so she has announced the the show's not shutting down until 2022, but the media critics are looking at this as like, okay, there is a new era. Like this is closing an era of daytime television. And it, it's interesting to see how media is responding to Black Lives Matter and, and, and this culture change. You and I have a friend, I don't want to, I'm just going to leave this very broad, who is in television news and he's like dude it is all about hiring people of color right now and he said i'm afraid for my job Hmm. because when my contract is up i believe that it is going to go to a person of color and maybe that correction's good in the long run even though i I feel for this person because he's a personal friend of mine i don't want him to lose his job for an arbitrary reason because i think he does a good job but um that Maybe we look at the Ellens of the world and just go, okay, that is done now. We're going to do a different thing now. Yeah. Uh, and so you can't on the on its on your face say that I'm a I'm a show about kindness when in the background it's it's anything but. Yeah. Speaking of Black Lives Matter, Berkeley, another headline here. Uh, they're approaching policing in a different way, and this is a story that I know that was interesting to you. Yeah, the forces around America are trying to come up with ways and council members in these cities more should I should say that more specifically, city councils in in progressive cities around America are saying can we send out people into the community to solve problems not in a law enforcement way? How can we do that? So Berkeley is looking even at traffic stops. So th- this is shy. So saying, can we send out, how could we send out or do a speed trap, let's say, or hand out tickets or do interact with citizens and not be in uniform, not be in a police cruiser, not be holding a gun? How would that work? Could we go to specific types of 911 calls 
and b- with no police response. Um, and how, what would that look like? How could that work? So there, there, there's a councilman down there that's trying to introduce us. He's like, okay, the easiest one maybe to start out with would be a traffic stop. Uh, can we invent a system where if you're a person of color or in the car, you aren't afraid for your life that you're going to get shot because you got pulled over at a, you know, in a traffic stop. So it, it's not figured out yet, but I do applaud some cities to at least looking at it, to at least going, hey, there's enough of these shootings that have happened that maybe there's a better way or a different way to interact with our constituents because we get, we hear you. We hear you. We're going to try and change. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if they hear us, though, because when you, when you respond with military vehicles, when you respond in fatigues, when you respond by hiring people that have done hardcore military tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, and I'm not saying that people have done military tours shouldn't be cops. I'm not saying that, but it, 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 it's very difficult when you, when you, and we've talked about this at nauseum, when you take old military vehicles and instead of giving those to the Iraqi army, you bring them home, you give them to, to, to police departments without any training. And then, and then I don't, I still don't get, and even if, even if you're a SWAT team, why does it, why does a SWAT team have to show up looking like they're an army? Why do they have to show up looking like they are Marines? There is a way that, like, like for instance, when, when I look at football players, and and if you see some football players up up, up close, they're pretty ominous, and and they're big men and really tight pants. They're not big men in army fatigues. Uh, they are big, intimidating men. So a lot of these police departments will say, hey, when, when we have somebody that's holding hostages, we want to show up and we want to be intimidating. Or when we have somebody that is uh, in downtown Seattle and they're breaking windows and breaking into businesses, we want to show up and be intimidating. Is there a way that you can show up? Like, like in my son's life, I, I, try, I have to show up with power sometimes, but I don't have to show up and army fatigues to let him know that, that I'm in charge. Is that why the Humvees in the driveway? (laughs) Anyway, we'll see you on the other side of this. With over a million plays, the Ron and Don radio show is the fastest growing show in the Pacific Northwest. All right, you guys, before we get out of here, uh, let's finish up episode 263. And, uh, wow. I am just ecstatic that I can now go around and start hugging people. Uh, but as I look around the world, I see, I see hotspots around the world where people are still suffering and dying. Uh, you had sent me a story about how the U S will never reach herd immunity at this point. Do you think that's one of the reasons why the CDC came out and said, Hey, if you're vaccinated, you can have all the freedom in the world, but if you're not vaccinated, you can't. And for the people that aren't vaccinated, I don't think this is going to convince them to go get back. Well, there's another thing where there's going to be a million dollar lottery for uh, vaccinations. Yeah, I saw which that. Which is the most is American this... supersized me. <laughs> isn't there thing. a state? Isn't there a state doing that? It's or like okay, so some we kind can of have Powerball vaccination. The or... foremost medical experts in the world are telling everyone the same messaging, but it's going to take a, a possibility of winning a million dollars for it. it 
it's disgusting to me. I did have a really interesting how, conversation. How, how, many, how many how many tickets did you get? I, all of them. Now, <laughs> I, I I was talking to uh, someone I know that got the first shot and then had a bad reaction. Like is currently got pneumonia after that. And so they told me it's like okay, I don't think I'm going to get the second shot because not because I'm anti-vaccine, but because of the way my body responded to the vaccine. And I'm willing to say I'm 80% there. Cause that's what her doctor said uh, that she was by taking one, one shot. And I, and I was like, you know what? I can't argue against that. If you're by, if you've got pneumonia as right a after medical professional, a non-medical, I, cannot, I cannot argue with that. In other words, I think there's, there's room to be reasonable with people. There's not room though, in my mind to just dismiss things out of hand. Yeah. Of course, there are people in the world that may have a bad reaction to a shot. Um, but I, I don't think you can just dismiss it because you saw a segment on Tucker Carlson. Like that to me is, is idiocy. Are you in Carlson country? <laughs> wow. You know, Charlie's following me around all day. I made a mistake. We go to market time up in Fremont. You made a mistake or you made him a steak. We, we, there, there, he only eats people food one time a week. And it's when I stop by market time on Thursdays. And and he gets to eat a piece of steak from market time. So then he just he won't he just thinks I have steak in my pocket. So maybe that, you still smell like steak. That's why he's just sitting there looking at me, going, "Dude, where's the steak?" So anyway, hey you guys, thanks for stopping by episode two sixty three. We appreciate you. Don't forget, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. If you need our help, just reach out. You can write Ron Ron at Windermere com. I'm Don O'Neill at Windermere com. Also on our social media channels, uh, find us. We're Ron and Don Brokers on Facebook. And also, I'm Don O'Neill, 34 on Instagram, and Ron is Ron Upshaw. Thanks for giving us great lives. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hitting subscribe. Thanks for writing great reviews. They're really awesome, and we appreciate that. And thanks for allowing us to be part of some of the biggest transactions of your life. Uh, this year has been really incredible. Thanks to you. We have sold homes from Everett all the way out to Port Orchard, all the way down to Normandy Park, back here to Ballard, over to the east side, and even on down to Beacon Hill this week. So thanks for being a part of it. And thanks for allowing us to be a part of it, too. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time only on the Ronadon Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.